John 19. Just a quick reminder, we'll have a meal this Sunday. Bring what you like. And uh, tonight I may go long. It might be a little reverse psychology on myself. <laughs> I'm going to be real long tonight. <laughs> Tile my message is Pilate was a hearer. We're going to read this just in a second. And it's so convenient just to have some scriptures to, well, I know what that says and I know what that says. Let's understand this tonight. God be with us. And let's apply this to us. Pilate heard some things. And you know what's going to happen to you and 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 you, and you, and you tonight? And me? You're going to hear something tonight. And I'm going to hear something. I might be the one saying it. That's kind of weird for you, but it's going to be proved to me tonight. I'm going to say it out loud and I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear the Lord's word. So how am I going to hear it? That'd be real awkward if I got out of this pulpit this evening and I went around to each one of y'all, made you line up before you walked out the door and said, tell me how you heard that. How are you going to hear it? I want to ask myself. This ain't, I've been asking myself this for three weeks looking at Pilate. You ask yourselves. This is how the Lord's going to grow us. You want to grow? You want to learn something or do we know everything? <laughs> I want to learn something. I do. I want the Lord to grow me. I want him to water me and nourish me, and I want that. I want that for you. I pray for your souls. I do. Same crew every Wednesday. I know that. I still pray for your souls. You know, that was Paul's biggest concern. Was Paul scared of men? He said, I fear not man. <laughs> Why would he be afraid of a man? He knows God. Was, was Paul afraid of getting whipped or beat? No, he's beat all to pieces, wasn't he? Was he afraid of dying? He said, no, for me to live Christ, for me to die is gain. That's a good thing. I ain't scared of those things. I'm not concerned of those things. Do you know what his concern was? False converts. He was scared to death of people sat in the pew and said they pretty well pleased on the gospel's grace for 75 years, and they didn't know God. He was scared of that. He said, he told, what did he tell them all the time? Examine yourselves. Don't examine the preacher. I mean, make sure I'm telling you the truth, but... Don't, don't henpeck the messages. Don't, don't say what everybody else said. Examine yourself. Don't examine others. Examine you. I got to examine me. That's why was, he was afraid of that, wasn't he? He told us all the time. He was concerned. That, and you know what his other concern was? That's the people that's underneath the preaching of the truth. That was me when I was sitting in a pew, when I was on your end. That's me when I'm now. Uh, that's people in the confines and in, in association with the truth of God, with people that know God. And his other concern was false gospels. Somebody preaching a false gospel, something that sounds so close. Well, they're off a little bit. If a person ain't preaching the gospel, it's because they don't know it or they don't believe it. That's just so. And that's the Lord's heart towards his people. He has pity on them and he prays for them, right? We've been looking at that a whole bunch. He put that in me. I pray that for you. I do. My pastor prays that for me. <laughs> Looks after me. I'll, how are you going to hear us tonight? How am I going to hear? We're going to hear something. Now let's look here. Let's look together with our eyes. It's going to do us good to hear it and read it at the same time. John 19, turn with me if you I want to help you if I can. <laughs> John 19, verse 5. Then Jesus came forth wearing a crown of thorns and purple robe. And Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. That could be read without Pilate. The Lord said, Behold the man. Then the chief priest, therefore, and the officers saw him. They saw our Lord there, and they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and you crucify him, for I find no fault in him. You take him. I find no fault in this man. And Jesus answered him, or I'm sorry, the Jews answered him, We have a law. And by our law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate, therefore, heard that saying, did Pilate hear something? God says Pilate heard something. God said he heard that saying. That this man here is declaring to be the, the God. When he heard that, he was the more afraid. Oh, I think we're handling something here that's real. This ain't just some article I read on the internet and I'm going to text somebody. I think we're handling God here. He heard it. 
Did he hear it? That's what it says. He heard that saying. He was the more afraid. Verse 9. And they went again into the judgment hall and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pride kicked in a little bit. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speak thou not unto me. Knowest not that I have the power to crucify thee? I have the power to release thee? Don't you know who I am? And Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he delivered me unto thee. He that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. And from thenceforth, from the time that he heard that, <laughs> Lord spoke to him. God spoke to him. God preached his sovereignty and his power and his might and his, his holiness to him. And it went into his physical ear. And there was a reaction. Look at the reaction. And from thenceforth, Pilate sought to release him. That sounds good, doesn't it? I want to do it. Well, then do it. Who there had the power to release him? Pilate did. He said, take him. We don't want him. Too bad. It's my house. My house, my rules. That's common. Was so in Pilate's day too. But he thought, thought sought to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, if thou let this man go, if you do this, thou art not What's it say? Caesar's friend. You're not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself king speaketh against Caesar. If you let him go and you don't kill him, you ain't Caesar's buddy. You want us to go tell the boss? You want me to tell the president you're against the president? Verse 13. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, is that what it says? He brought forth Jesus. Brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover in about the sixth hour. There's a lot of different commentaries and theologians, as they call themselves, that tell you how long this has been. It was a while. He sat down. He, the pilot's been at this since early morning, hasn't he? And now it's almost noon. He sat in that seat there for a minute, thought about this. He was, as we call, on the fence. He was on the fence. He was, he was handling this gospel message. He was handling this one that declared himself to be God for a good long while, and the hour had come. Verse 14, the preparation was a Passover in about the sixth hour, and he said unto the Jews, Behold your king. That's telling, isn't it? Behold your king. Not my king, your king. But they cried out, away with him. Away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. What an answer. Pilate was a hearer. Everyone is. Everyone. Those that God didn't give his ascension gift to send somebody to preach to them, they've been preached to. That's what the scriptures say. Job said, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. That's what David wrote about. He said, the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament shows his handiwork. Day and a day other speech, a night unto night showeth knowledge. There's no speech nor language where their voice has not heard. His power, his majesty is on display in creation. It's on display in providence. We see those things, don't we? Turn over to Matthew 13 again. We read this earlier, but I want to see it again. <clears throat> There's a lot of implied meaning here. If we just read that parable that our Lord spoke of when he gave the parable of the sower, and he said, he who hath ears to hear, let him hear, and we stop there. Would that be what some people call a good three-point gospel message? You better believe it. You better believe it. And if you don't understand that, that God preached it, that's a good message. You go run as fast as you can, and you find you a Philip to get up in your high chariot to explain it to you. Ask some questions. Ask the one that God taught to teach you. 
whoever's listening to this, wherever, or somebody here tonight, you don't understand that. You find you a man that does. Ask him to preach it to you. This has an, an infinity point gospel message in it. We could spend 7,000 years and not scratch the surface. Not only on his explanation, just on the parable. <laughs> there are a few things I want you to remember here. There's a few characters or players or points, but there's the sower, there's the seed, and there's the types of grounds. There's four types of grounds that this seed that the sower throws lands on. This is about a man that got up early one morning, a man on a farm, and he hired a fellow to go out. He said, here's the seed. Go put it on my farm. And he went out and he broadcast the seed. He throws it. This was very common and understood in that day. Everybody knew what he was talking about, plain terms. But this is an allegory. We looked at this before, but I remind you, an allegory, that's a noun. That's a story or a poem or a picture or something that's interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. And typically a moral one is what the uh, Webster's Dictionary says. And they used the illustration. They said, Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory of the spiritual journey. <laughs> That's nice. That's sweet, isn't it? This parable is a parable of God and his people and those against him. This is one for all mankind throughout time. Nothing's changed. It's for everybody. Everybody wants to see God in this. I pray so. Prayer will reveal himself. There are three accounts of this parable. This message that Christ preached, it's in Mark 4, Luke 8, and here in Matthew 13. But here in verse 18, Matthew 13, 18, our Lord speaks, he says, he's going to explain it. He says, hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. He says, the sower. Who's the sower? The sower's his preacher. I'm going to say a lot of repetitive things tonight, but the Lord did too, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, things I've told you before, and I hope I say it a couple times tonight. The sower's the preacher. This is God's preacher. In Mark, he records it. The Lord says, know ye not this parable? He asked him disciples. They said, hey, can you explain this to us? He said, you don't understand this? He said, how in the world? How will you then know all parables? If you don't understand this, how are you going to explain these other parables to people? He said, the sower soweth the word. The preacher is the one that sows the word. I don't understand preachers that don't have the word. People that just get up and tell what they think or self-help stuff, and I, I couldn't do that. Uh, I don't understand those that don't get their seed ready in their sacks. There's some people that handle this word very flippantly and, and loosey-goosey. And like, well, Lord, give me something. If he gives me something, that's fatalistic. You better not do it. Uh, if we're going to plant on the Lord's field, this is, this is the master's seed, and this is the master's property. and He's commissioned us to go out and spread the seed. We better be mindful of it. Paul was serious about that. He said, necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. If I don't spread that seed. Isaiah said to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, if they speak not according to this seed, it's because. You know how people used to not preach the gospel? You know why they didn't? They had no light in them. Kevin, that's harsh. Uh, God said it. I don't ever ask anyone after I sow this seed and spread it and broadcast it if they want to add anything to the seed sowing. Would you like to add some? I want to let this soak in and then let's apply this in the next week, okay? The gospel seed's been thrown out. Whatever the Lord had put in that bag for that day on his field, it's his business. And I throw it, or somebody else throws it. And they say, is there any questions, comments, or concerns? Uh, no, there's not. That's serious business, buddy, I'm telling you. Paul said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. This is God speaking. This is God throwing this seed out there. The seed, the word of God, it landed where it landed. You leave it be. Leave it be. Throw the dynamite, right? And then don't go adjust the dynamite as it's sizzling down. <laughs> Leave it alone. We understand that, don't we? The sower didn't make the seed, but he has it in his bag. The husbandman, the gardener, the owner of the land, the master, it's his seed. He's the one that bought the seed. 
He just gave it to the sower. All he is, is to do is throw it. He doesn't tell what he thinks. The Spirit, Lord says, is going to come. He's going to say the words that he hears. And then Christ came not to do his own will, but the will of the Father. And the servants, these sowers, these God-sent sowers, they're no different. They don't tell what they think. They don't tell you what they perceive. They tell you what God says. They just throw the seed. And if my opinion or somebody else's opinion or their perception, that's the theme of their message, they ought not be preaching. It'll be twofold a child of hell. Lord said, I've not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. Jeremiah said, I'll give you pastors according to mine heart. We always say after mine own heart, don't we? Well, they'll be after his own heart. They'll be like it. But you know how many you're going to get? However many he accordings you. <laughs> might be one, might be ten, might be none. And they'll feed you with knowledge and understanding. We'll see that at the end. So we got the sower. And we got the seed. What does the sower sow? Sowers sow seed. They don't sow nothing else. What's that? Mark 4 says, the sower soweth the word. The word. Luke 8 says, this, now this is the parable, Lord said. He goes, now this is the parable. The seed's the word of God. That's what he said. That seed's something special. Seed has life in it. You know, there's flowers that are fake, and I can't tell the difference between the fake ones and the real ones. I mean, you've got to wait a while. It takes time, don't it? Because there'll be a difference in time, but you just look at them at the store, I can't really tell the difference. I can't. They're like those fruit bowls. You ever, you ever seen that? They're getting better with time, ain't they? And fruit bowls they put in like them stage houses. Uh, to decorate stuff. Well, that fruit looks so real. It looks just like real fruit. What's the difference? There ain't no life in it. You go up and bite it, you'll crack a tooth. It won't give you nourishment. There's no life in it. The master's words, this seed, his word, there's life in it. There's life in it. He said in John 6, It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, it's broadcast to you. They are spirit and they are life. This sower comes and he's just throwing seed. But that seed's got life in it. God may save some folks. <laughs> his word, his seed, it's the very thing we are born again from. He told Nicodemus that. He said, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit. That's the word and that's the spirit of God. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. How could I know that? James said we are begat of his own will. He begat us. We're born with the word of truth that we should be the first fruits of his creatures. Peter said being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So that sower, he sows the word and he sows faithfully, faithfully. Not he preaches at sometimes. It's God's sower. He sows it all the time. He makes him faithful. That's what Paul said. There's arguing over which preacher do they like the best. You know who my favorite preacher is? And Paul snapped his face and said, you carnal, stop it. He said, it don't matter. You quit that stuff and you look to Christ. He rebuked them sharply. That sounds sweet unless it's us, huh? <laughs> he comes, snapped his finger, stuck it in Kevin's face. And he said, I have planted and Apollos, he watered. But God gave the increase. So then neither is it he that planteth anything, he ain't nothing, or he that watereth, he ain't nothing either. But God that gives the increase, that's the one that's something. So there's a sower, and he's got seed, that's the word of God, and he's throwing it out, isn't he? What's it going to land on? Our Lord tells us. Here in Matthew 13, look at verse 18. And he says, hear ye. I pray he'd speak that tonight. Hear ye. <laughs> hear ye. Somebody hear Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth by the wayside. The wayside's a path. That's a walking path. You ever seen a garden, right? You got to walk somewhere. We well, don't walk on where you're growing stuff. You walk on a path. A path's useful. There's a purpose for a path, isn't it? 
But as fast as that seed lands on that path, we know this happens. There's people that come here, and there's people that still sit underneath the gospel for a long time that do that. They're, they're so hard, either in knowledge or, or tradition or experience, they're so hard that that, that that seed of God, the word of God goes to them and just bounces right off of them. Doesn't soak in, doesn't penetrate, doesn't do anything. It just bounces off of them. And then Satan comes in, the birds, the fowl of the air, eats it, takes it away, leaves them alone. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, wasn't it? Just like the ground. The Lord said in Exodus 7, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And a lot of people have trouble with that. They have trouble thinking the Lord hardens people's hearts. And, and they charge God with folly. They do. Do you know why? They're hard. Because they think they're so good. And they think they're so soft. And that their ground's just so ripe and nourished. And so many minerals in it. And they don't see that their nature's to be hard. Just like concrete. Stop working it. You keep it in that truck, keep throwing water in it. That, that's concrete. It'll stay liquid as long as you want it to. You stop working it. You take your hand off of it. It's instinct. It's nature's to be hard, isn't it? Then there's a stony ground. Verse 20. But he that receiveth the seed in the stony places is the same as he that heareth the word. And Anon with joy receiveth it. Mark says, immediately receives it with gladness. Yet he hath no root in himself. But endureth for a little while. He holds on for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by, he's offended. Another place that says that there's a little bit of little bit of thin, thin little bit of soil there. It's rocky. There's just a little bit of dirt. And that seed hits it. And it shoots up. And it looks like everybody gets so excited. Look how excited this seed is. Oh, buddy, something big's happening here. And we get pumped up over it, don't we? But there's no root. You know why? There's no conflict to drive that root down. There's no sacrifice. There's no hardship. There's no root in themselves, and there's no effort. A seed doesn't drive down. There's no conviction. There's no God-given faith. There's no true commitment. There's no digging deep. Like, it's fine as long as there ain't nothing comes no hurdles coming our way. I like that gospel just good. Boy, that sounds great. Now, don't expect me to do nothing with it. There's no digging deep. <sighs> I feel like I never dug deep. Don't you? Turn over to Luke 6. Our Lord illustrates this. Luke 6. Here in Luke 6, 47. Luke 6, 47. He said, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and agrees with them. That ain't what it says. It says, and doeth them. I will show you to whom he's like. I'm going to tell you exactly who that's like. It's like a man which built an house and dig deep commitment. Gave up everything for it. I got to have it. I have to. I have to get to that moisture. They dig deep and they laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose, that's the trials of earth coming out of it. And the stream, that means rain, beat vehemently upon the house. Trials from heaven. No matter who you blame it on. And could not shake it because it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation built in a house upon earth, built on the sand, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. What was great me? It's eternal. I have concern for those that shoot up but have no root in them. I have concern that that's me. Paul was worried about that, wasn't he? Paul had a concern over that, over in other people and himself. This is serious business. That root, that's the strength of the plant. Not what above grounds, but what's hidden that nobody sees. That's, that's what's strong. That's where the Lord looks at. Do you know that on the heart, on the hidden places of a man? Not on the outside. 
Those without root, it shoots up for the benefits. Pay attention to me. The root shoots up because of benefits. I got you. Who wants to go to heaven? Uh, anybody that's sane, right? Who wants fish for your belly? Well, that sounds good. I like, I like to be full. What about healing of the body? I'm hurting all over. Oh, I wish this pain would go away. That'd be great. You mean I could be whole in the body? What about freedom from the law? Well, that sounds good. I hate being underneath that law. I can't keep it. That's just a burden. Hmm, I don't like that. But there's no love. There's no dedication to a person that's our redeemer and our king, our God and our king. In Luke, it said some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Christ, the greatest farmer there was, said that it, it shot up, but it died, withered away because it lacked moisture. Because there's no root in it. That root of Jesse, right? Christ, the root. And there's no way, without that root, there's no way to dig deep and to get all the way down where that sun's not beating no more and there's moisture in the earth. If you don't understand that, wait till it rains and then wait till it gets hot again and go outside and dig down with your hand. Lord gave it all around us. You can go look anywhere you want. There's no root to dig down to get that moisture, that Christ, the living water. And like I said, this thing is so short, it seems so simple, but there's a lot of implications, right? There's implied tasks. I was telling a friend of mine that today. Whenever we go on ruck marches in the Army, it's implied you don't wear shower shoes to the ruck march. You wear boobs. Do we have to tell you that? No, it's implied. That's understood, right? That's why the Lord's using a parable of a simple garden that anybody could have, especially in that day. So <clears throat> on the opposite end of the spectrum, there's no root that can't dig down and get that water. And that way when the sun beats down, you ain't got nothing left in you. You got something to dig into. It's Christ. Right? On the other side of the spectrum, we had corn there in Kentucky. First time I ever planted corn. I loved that corn. I watered it in the morning and I watered it in the evening. I planted the seed. It come up. It was beautiful, wasn't it? It was a beautiful stand of corn. But the wind came and every bit of that corn laid clean, flat over. Do you know Why? Hang with me now. The Lord taught this way. I want you to understand. He taught me something in this. I watered it morning and I watered it eating. I watered it in the morning and I watered it eating. Didn't miss a day. But it didn't need to stretch down to get that water. That root didn't haft through trials and, and trouble and tribulation drive down to look for water. I was just covering it in water. And so it just laid over. I drowned it in water. I can take a horse to water, but I can't make it drink. But I can sure drown one. What's that mean? The same goes for us, didn't it? I've gave caution before, I'll give it now. Take small bites. Listen, to, whether it's here or somewhere else, listen to the man that God sent to you, not to 75 of them. Don't listen to a message 16 times a day and tune into 45 services a week. You're going to drown. And you wonder why you're thirsty all the time. You wonder why you have no assurance. You need to chew on this. And sometimes we got to get a little dry. I'm not encouraging you to miss services, but go with the one that God sent you. That watering can, that sower he sent, or Apollos to water, hits in the right proportion because God's the one telling him to go do it. That may offend some. It's just going to have to get offensive. I'm sent here to water, and this is the water for today. Now, hate it. God gave us a garden. I've lived it. I'm telling you. Someone springs up. They seem to be full of life. But when that trial comes in the body or in the family, husbands and wives, like, baby, I love this. Honey, I love it. And they say, well, I don't love it. I was fine with you going to any other church, but now you're going to that church. I don't like it. And there's trouble, hard times in a family, in a home. And it's because of the word, because of that seed, because of God's word, because of his gospel. They have no root to dig down deep and draw from him, from Christ. He's the root and he's the moisture. And they're offended. They're offended. And what happens? I'll tell you what happens. They get mad at the sower. They get mad at the waterer. They get mad at the seed. And they get mad at the man that owns the land. They're offended. That's a type of hearing. Look back in our text from Matthew 13. 
But he that receiveth, verse 20, Matthew 13, 20. But he that received the seed into stony places is the same as he that heareth the word and right away with joy receives it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but endureth for a while. Now stick around. But when tribulation or persecution, some heavy trials come, because of the word, because of that gospel that they seem to shoot up in, by and by he is offended. They're offended. There's other plants that go up and say, Sower, what did you say to that plant over there? Sower said, I didn't say nothing. I was just throwing seed. <laughs> what you got for it? More seed. I just got water and seed. That's it. That's all I got. Well, there's the thorns and the vines, verse 22. He also that received the seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. It don't work. Look up in verse 7, Matthew 13. I want you to see something. Matthew 13, verse 7. It says, And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up. Doesn't say both of them sprung up. It says the thorns sprung up and choked them. In all three accounts of this parable that the Lord gives, that he's recording his word. It's worded this way. The thorns sprung up. Not the seed. The seed didn't even shoot up for a little bit without root. We've already had that type of ground. It was just resting up on top of some stuff, and the thorns shot up. Everything else around it grew. Now, there may be the perception, because there's nothing but like leaves and the, the covering of all the weeds and thorns that's on the ground, right? And that seed lands on that them dry leaves and thorns are shooting up and growing, it may have the appearance that that seed's being upheld and exalted and lifted by this type of ground, but it ain't. It ain't. Everything that's growing around it is thorns. Do we have to sow thorns and weeds? Have you ever had a garden? You said, you know what? I'm going to put some, some weeds in this garden. Where can I get some weed seeds? I'm going to put weeds in this garden. No, I don't. we don't have to try to do that, do we? This ground's different than other ground. First from the wayside, it's hard. And the seed lands, doesn't do anything. Second, stony ground. It sprouts up real quick, but it dies off at the first sign of struggle. But this one, the seed's resting on top of that covering provided for by the thorns and the weeds. You get that? And another righteousness, another covering. Dead leaves, not dirt. And it's never said to grow. It never germinates. Seed doesn't grow, just the thorns. I've seen faithful pastors declare something or try to gently give water to encourage growth. And the absolute opposite is what happens the second he gets done preaching the gospel. Right? We have no cause to murmur. Who is, uh, behold your God. He's on his throne. He sent these things. Thank him. And the service is over. I'll tell you what, my week's been horrible. My back hurts, my knee hurts, I'm, my, job, my boss is mean. <laughs> I do it. <laughs> a lot of times I feel like I ain't nothing but thorns. Do you? Or I'm hard and things bounce off of my thick head. Or I just get so passionate and then where'd the passion go? You ever feel that way? I asked you this in the beginning, what type of hearer are you? How are you hearing it tonight? I know how I've heard it in the past. How am I hearing it right now? There ain't never going to be no other right now than right now. Now, in the future, there's a future right now, but right now is right now. How are you hearing it? How are you hearing it? It may seem like it's supporting and holding up that seed, but it never sprung up. What's this ground's downfall? What's, gonna, what's, what's, what's the thing that hurts this ground? The, the word says there, the cares of this world. We have so many cares, don't we? Especially nowadays. Especially nowadays. We have so many cares on high speed. Everybody's got a, the whole world in their hand, and they can't stop it. It's a drug. They're addicted to it. And they have to show everybody what they had for lunch on the other side of the world. It's ridiculous. You're a child of God. We got football and baseball and work and family. Oh, well, my kids are in town. We got houses to take care of. And more prevalent now than ever, activities and vacation and entertainment and access to all those things in the whole world cheaper than it's ever been ever throughout history. 
I looked it up. 1941, it cost $6,000 to fly from the east or west coast to the east coast. And you had to make 15 stops. You know what it costs now? You go on Frontier, 250 bucks, and sometimes direct flight from here to Philly. <laughs> well, it's just more affordable for everybody. And then we bellyache times are tough. So much more distractions from God and his word and his seed that's being sown, isn't it? And the support of the gospel and putting our shoulder to work. And like I sent you that thing, getting that letter to Garcia. We got more things to distract us. And it says the deceitfulness of riches. Is that monetary prosperity? Well, yeah. Uh, I've re- I don't think I've ever seen anybody. If, if it did, it might have been one. I don't remember it. That's one of the rarest things I can come across thought all week. As somebody that went broke and became uh, monetarily destitute and they, they were separated from the gospel. I've never seen it. I'm like, David, I've never seen the righteous begging bread. Now, you may come to where you get hungry, but you ain't going to go to no food bank. I'll feed you. Your brethren will feed you. Somebody take care of you. You move in with us. That ain't happening. <laughs> My family, if they're true family, that's because we love them, right? You wouldn't let your children starve. We wouldn't let our brethren starve if we love them. If we're children of God. So it's not just the, the monetary thing. I've seen people get rich and leave. I've seen big things come up, big jobs in different cities. Well, I gotta take it. I gotta take or it's cheaper to move there now that I don't have a job. Does that hurt? I'm sorry. Somebody needs to tell you. Your eternal soul's on the line. And I'm gonna preach like one that's got to give account. Well, I had to move to that state because that's the cheapest place. Uh, there's a cheap place all over this country. My wife and another pastor wife sat down and made a big list for somebody that said it was too expensive to live where the gospel was, gave them six options that was cheaper than where they lived at that time. And they said, I'm not interested. Oh, bounced right off of them, didn't it? Got choked up in thorns, didn't it? I, I, I care for them people. I'm not being mean. I'm not being uppity. I care for their souls worse there's a lot of people they agree with what we preach and they 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 just that's great and i'm just so i don't have any assurance i've talked to people and i've heard other messages and pastors throughout time people say i'm just tore all pieces they say well you're not where god's word is you don't have a pastor you're not with the lord's saints go where they are when i got a nice house and three cars in the driveway my wife's got a good job and it's got good benefits well you got something more important than god you say you like it but the thorns are the only thing growing. And they'll choke you out. Well, you worry about that? I worry about that for you children. Every one of you. Worry about that for us. Worry about that for my wife. Getting a big raise next month. This ain't making it through the end of the next 30 days. Do you understand that? This is eternal things. They don't have time for the Word of God. and Something comes up more important instead of meeting with the Lord's people and a fellowship with them. And the Lord said, no man can have two masters. You can't do it. You can't do it. You either hate one and love the other, or you'll hold to one and despise the other, but you cannot serve God and man. You can't do it. We see all these things around us, and we think they're all right, don't we? Well, I mean, it's fine, right? I got offered a big job today. A lot of money, wasn't it? Well, I mean, I've handled stuff like that before. I can handle it again. Christ is telling us here that this is a briar patch. He's given us words to tell us this is dangerous. You think we ought to take heed? I read of these grounds, these three grounds, these hears, and I ask, I see that hardness and I see the stoniness and I see all the thorns and the thistles and the briars and the weeds. And you know the only thing I have to say? Well, they ought to be like me. No. Lord, is it I? I see myself as hard. I see myself as thin. (laughs) No depth to me. And I see myself as surrounded by nothing but thorns and thistles. Struggles and pains and benefits of the world. Lord, is it I? And when I read about that stony ground, I read about that hard ground, and I read about that thorny ground, you know what that makes me do? Beg the Lord. Cry out to him. 
you're the husbandman. You can do anything you want. This is, this is your land. When I owned a farm, do you know where the pathways were? Exactly where I wanted them. I owned a tractor with a four-foot box tiller. I put, I put uh, fields wherever I wanted them. Do you know where the thorns grew up? Right where I wanted them to grow up. You know where it was plowed? Right where I wanted it plowed. He's able. And I said, Lord, keep me. Put your seed in me. Plant it. Plow my heart. I'm getting ahead of myself. That's all right. Plow my heart. Bust me up. Break me. And then water me and keep me and preserve me. Give the increase. Now, that's my experience. I don't know about you. I know that's experience with some other folks that God's worked in. I hope that's yours. Lay all your care on him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Do we do that? Do we build our life around the hearing of the gospel? Or is it just something we happen to squeak in in the nick of time? Well, I'm busy. I feed my family. You're right. God gave us responsibilities on this earth. He did. Noah had to build an ark, but he walked with God. Amos took care of sheep, but he walked with God while he tended to them. You can be busy and, and be exactly walking with the Lord. Be right where his word is, right where his seed's thrown, right where that water comes down. You can. I've lived that too. Well, the good ground. There's implied application here too. Verse 23, Matthew 13, 23. <clears throat> but he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word. Every ground heard that word, didn't it? Well, they, they heard the gospel. Yeah, uh, everybody did. Didn't they? Everybody heard the word. But this one's different. It's he that heareth the word and understandeth. You gonna get to, did you get there on your own? God said in Jeremiah's another way. He said, I'll send you pastors according to my own. He sent me a pastor, and that man preached. He gave me knowledge and understanding. That good ground's one that understands it, which also, and I just understand it and go home. I got the bulletin ready today, but you have to read it this week. Uh, old Scott Richardson had that. We don't hole up in some monastery somewhere once the Lord saves us. We don't get in a cave somewhere. We got a job to do. He hears it and he bears fruit and bringeth forth fruit. Some a hundred and some sixty and some thirty. Some a whole bunch. Some's used mightily. Some use a whole bunch and some's barely used. But it's his and it's fruit. Good ground. Good ground. That's what Paul said. He said after the wisdom for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. He said this parable. People said, what? Why is he talking about gardens? <laughs> is this an agricultural talk? I don't understand. world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, by the foolishness of some sower, it's a high, the, the nobody, <laughs> the hay there, to throw seed and go walk through in water. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe, for it to land in the good ground. Sowers broadcast seed, just like they cast the gospel net, right? Throw your net. Doesn't just give knowledge that's bounced around. It's only temporary. It's choked out, but understanding. That's the ascension gift of God. He gives the root. He gives the increase. That's what uh, my brother's preaching this evening out of Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar. He had a dream. He had this big tree. It took care of the whole place, right? He got Daniel, so Daniel interpreted this dream. He said, I wish this was to your enemies. For an hour, he sat there and was astonished. He said, I hate to tell you this, but it's my job to tell you this. And he said, Lord's going to hew down your tree. <laughs> that tree's going to be cut off, but we're going to leave the stump and the roots, right? And in seven years, he'll grow the tree back. That's his business. My job's just tell you he's going to send a servant to cut you off at the knees. And he did, didn't he? That's good. We talked about that the other day. You ever pray your children that God breaks their hearts? I mean, crushes them. You pray it for your children? God, be hard on them. And then put your seed in them and then water it. And you make it grow. That'd be good, wouldn't it? It's your ground. You can plow anywhere you want to. 
I ask you, plow this one. Plow that one. I would that all hearts be plowed. There's some things that's implied, isn't it? Lord didn't mention these things, but we ought to know. You got to a, you walk to a farm. Is is everything good ground? No. There's no good ground by nature. Do you know that? You, we're in a developed country. If you go into a pioneer land, and the farmer doesn't buy land or claim land, that, and they just walk in and throw seed down, he's got to plow it. I had a farm. I put in pathways where I want them. I left some spots to grow over. I had some rocky places, but I plowed my garden where I wanted to plow it. He uses that as an illustration too, doesn't he? Any man puts his hand to the plow and looks back, ain't worthy to be holding on that plow. That good ground is a heart where the Lord has plowed. It was dead, but he quickened it. And he cuts deep. And he gets the stones out of the way. And he clears the thorns. And he prepares it to receive the seed. And they hear that and they understand it. They, that's what he did to me. <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> that's all right. That was good. I needed that. I need to get plowed. I need to get cut deep. What do they understand? What the word says about sinners. There's none righteous. None. No. Not one. They understand that. We drink iniquity like water. We understand what the word says about God. He's holy. He demands righteousness. He's on his throne. Not sometimes. If there's evil in a city, he did it. He allowed this to happen. If it didn't glorify him, he stopped it. He refrained it. He strained it. He didn't go no further. We get that. What the word says about Christ, that one that's our righteousness. What it says about his blood, when it covers our sins, it covers all of them. All of them. How Christ died that God may be just and the justifier. Something man can't do, but it's possible with him because his word says so. He gave me his seed. I know what it means. I understand it. I stand on it. And when the sun comes and wind comes and thorns come or rocks start landing on my head, it don't matter because there's root. He'll take the rocks off when he's pleased. He gave me that root. It's tapped into his moisture. Get that? Well, they went out from us. Well, they weren't of us. I pray for them. Maybe, maybe that's just a season of time. The Lord's putting a lot of sun on them and withering them up. And they'll come back. I do. If there's life, if there's breath in their lungs, there's hope. But maybe they'll die out there. I don't know. I pray not. Third, all this will result in fruit. <laughs> This is his plant, his seed, his garden. You're going to have fruit. That's going to be for somebody else, isn't it? Some are going to bring forth a whole lot. They're going to do a whole lot for their brethren. Some's going to do less. But they're going to be equal. They're all going to bring forth fruit, the same fruit, because they all have the same vine. They have the same root in them, don't they? Same seed, incorruptible seed. It's going to be the same. It's going to. I read that letter I sent to you all today, that letter to Garcia. And it was about a man needing to, president needing to get a hold of a general down in Cuba. And they, who can, who can we get to get this letter? We don't even know where he is. And they said, I know a guy, but I want to get it down there. And he didn't ask, like, well, well what's, what happens if I don't do it? How long do I have to do it? Well, uh, do you have any idea where he is? He didn't ask nothing. He just went and did it. And three weeks later, come out the other side of the jungle in a hostile land. And he said, yeah, I delivered it. That's a good story. Take it home to your boys. Make them read it. Make my, I made my boys read it. <laughs> but that's just a story. I read that the first time. I read that through the lens of a man that knows God, through the gospel. And I said, I won't be the one that could take a letter. Don't you? Lord's increased me and I can do some more. Well, Lord, do you think you increase me a little bit more? I, I want to do more. Well, maybe you can grow me a little bit more. I can do more of that. Maybe you can make me a better preacher, people. Start having our hearts moved. I want to do more, don't you? I, if I bring forth 30, will you let me bring forth 60? I want to. Don't you? <laughs> don't you? Yeah. I hope I do. I read that letter, and I thought of Christ. I read it in the light of Christ. I read about this garden without him saying anything else because he's gave me a lot of water over the years. Gave you a lot of water over the years, ain't he? And I see it with the eyes, and, and I understand those implications made in the light of Christ. Just in a garden. Victory garden. I wrote an article about that a couple years ago. as a fellow that liked it. That's what plowed ground does. Did you know that? 
when you get your ground plowed real good, you see seed all over the place. <laughs> you say, that's good. I get it. I understand that. I understand that. It's amazing. It's amazing. Some 100, some 60, some 30. We're at different times, isn't it? But the increase in the harvest is from the Lord of the harvest. He said the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. He didn't say pray for old crusty people to come down and have them preach. He said you pray for laborers, fresh ones in the harvest. I pray for those young men raised up in this nation to preach his word. Because he's the Lord of the harvest. He's the Lord of the harvest. I just want to be a good servant. It's his seed. It's his land. I just want to be diligent. I want to be faithful and just throw the seed. There you go. Hey, hard, is it? <laughs> a lot of sweating involved. Your hand cramps up sometimes. Do you see some resemblance in Pilate? Pilate heard some stuff. Just that night he heard, y'all heard some stuff tonight, didn't you? But it's not, well, which type of ground was Pilate? What type was I before God plowed me? Before he busted up his stony heart. I pray we do. I pray we look to ourselves, examine ourselves, and I pray the Lord plows our stony hearts. I do. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for these parables you give us. and So plain and so simple in the light that you've given us to see them. Lord, make us be plain and simple to those that ask questions. Thank you for the sowers you've set up around this nation and around this world. Lord, we're grateful for them. We're thankful for the tilled ground you've already put out. and We're thankful for that ground you're not yet pleased to till. Lord, just make us faithful. Make us faithful stewards of your mysteries and of your graces to just tell what you said. Thank you for Christ. It's because of him we come to your throne. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.